Well, here on the Yamcast, we're continuing this conversation with the ebook Young Adult Ministry Now that Fuller Youth Institute has provided uh, for all of us that are engaged in young adult ministry out here. And I was a part of the training with our district and a, a lot of different churches on our district that, that they do this live training every year. And do you know Keegan Linker? Yes, love him. Yeah. So I love him. for the training I went to that. With him. Oh, did you really? Yeah, super random. Yeah. For the training that that Fuller provided, um, just globally in May, Keegan was actually assigned to our our district like remote group, and so we had Keegan kind of curating content Absolutely. for us, and who and he knew just a lot of us in the room and stuff. So we had we had a lot of fun with that. But today, you and I are talking about Chapter Three: Compassionate Young Adult Ministry in the Young Adult Ministry Now ebook and i'm curious what parts of this chapter you felt like you connected to resonated with felt like were applicable or you had questions about yeah um i mean i just think like the the theme in general of having empathy with young adults uh and like really trying to hear and listen to them i think is key um that was that was actually like when we did our project with Fuller, that was that was one of the things that was like a game changer for us is just sitting and trying to understand where they're at without, I don't know, trying to like tell them where they need to be or give them advice. Like that was, it sounds silly, but that was like new for me and I had to learn how to do that. And so uh, I think one of the first, in like the beginning of the book, it says, uh, just because you were one, just because you were young once doesn't mean you understand uh, young people today. Right. Right. And I think, I think if you can have that, like at the forefront of your head all the time, that's really important because our, our, like the older that we get, the quicker, and I would say just older generation in general will say, well, I was once young. I experienced those things. Um, and I think it's very different I think the experience is very different. Um, and you don't know what experience that person is having anyway. And so in order to like, just really like, I don't know, understand what's happening. You have to actively listen in that and not jump to conclusions, not make assumptions, not again, try to be like the advice giver, fixer person. Um, and just because you have years of experience in your life doesn't mean like you can necessarily like I don't know I guess fix things so I just feel like that piece which again was like straight up at the start of the chapter that piece is huge in us working with young adults and like understanding and knowing that so the opening yeah. story of the chapter is about a professor that talks about her journey teaching her class on emerging young adult uh, emerging young adults and then having a student from that class give her feedback and how hard that was to receive that because yeah. it's easy to fall into the I'm the one with experience I'm the expert I know what this is like I know what the statistics are I know what the studies are and then to have a student in the class that you're teaching go yeah when you said <laughs> this do you realize it could be heard this way um, yep. or yeah, I understand your perspective on that, but from my perspective, um, it didn't sound like you really understood, um, right. or, 
or do you really know what that means? Because when you say it, you mean this, but when 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 we say that, we we mean it a, a, a different way. Well, that's super funny because our young adults talk about that. So, and you know, we've got we have three guys on our staff that are on full time at the church that are under the age of thirty, and they talk all the time about like language that's used in sermons and stuff to say like, okay, you might not think that's a big deal, but like, this is how we hear that. Um, and, and and yeah, I think it's humbling. I think, I think it's, you have to really put yourself in a position of like humility to say, I like, you have something that I can learn from, you know, like even despite like the fact that you don't always have your life together, you're making crazy decisions at times, you're doing some stupid stuff, even like I can learn something from you. And I think that's, like, again, like that's just, that's just like putting yourself in a place of humility that we don't, we don't have all the answers. Um, but that's hard to do. And I think, especially when, like, I would say, you know, my husband and I talk about this all the time. We, when we were young adults, like we got married fresh out of college. We went to seminary, like traveled halfway across the country, went to seminary, got, got full-time jobs. Like the trajectory of our life and everybody else's life around that time were very, very similar. And so like, I just can't even pretend to understand like what the, when I watch the young adults here, their life is so different than like how my life was at that point. So why would I pretend that like, I can like fix that in some way, like, or, or need to fix it. Is there something wrong with it that it needs fixed? It's actually just embracing and receiving their experience. Yes. And I think I will say from a church perspective, like the big church universal, you know, I think sometimes, and, and we've had these conversations even in our staff meetings, but I think sometimes even we're preaching in a way or putting stuff out there in a way that like, kind of like, um, like romanticizes, like how life should be according to like how it used to be. So like, if you're not married, you know, by the time you're 25, 30 years old, something's wrong with you. If you're not working a professional job, something's wrong with you. If you've had four jobs in the last, like, you know, five years, something's wrong with you. And I just like, to me, like, I don't know. I think that we have to lean in more towards like meeting them where they're at again, versus this, like, we're trying to fix you because we have the right way. Like that's not this generation and that that's not where people are. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I think, I don't know. I think the church to like, really, I think one of the work, one of the things I wrote down a bunch of notes from the chapter, but um, you know, Oh, uh, empathy seeks to understand young adults perspectives, not judge them. Yeah. Um, I think as young adult pastors, we're probably, hopefully we're better at that because this is our job. Like this this is what we've been hired to do. But I also think part of, part of our job is like helping the church at large to understand what it means to come, like come alongside of them. Right. Um, We have this advocacy role. Yeah. So even like, okay, a great example. I, I actually think young adults, I can't speak for all of them, but if every single time we see a young adult, that's like 25, 26, 27 years old, and we go to them and say, were well, you dating anybody yet? Are you serious with your boyfriend? Are you serious with your girlfriend? Oh, like when's the next step? And and I'm like, like I am at fault that like I have to learn to not ask those questions too, or 
um, you know, asking the right questions uh, and not just making assumptions. Like, I just think that, I think that adds to some of this anxiety that they feel of like, oh my gosh, I don't have my life all together because there's a certain trajectory, right? Like you mentioned that earlier too, uh, like Fuller's in this book talks about that trajectory is not a trajectory. There's not like a follow these five steps and you've arrived in adulthood. Like, and so I think as the church, like as the community of like Jesus followers, if we could just meet young adults where they're at versus expect for them to be in some certain place, then. And that's the essence of this invitation to empathy in, in this, in this chapter and the pullout quote on page 43 here is people before programs, which we were talking about earlier in our conversation. They said people before programs always. Yep. We have a program that whether we realize it or not, that's our default that we're projecting onto young adults and expecting them to follow. Yep. We have programming that we're following and then expecting other people. It's like software. And, yes. and their, their software that, that their hardware is operating on this, the, the programs that are, that are activating are not the same programs that we have that our, our software, um, uh, you know, it's, and I, I don't know that it's, it's upgrade. It's just like, it's just a different type of programming and exactly. they're still becoming adults and they're still going to be okay. And it's, it's still going to be fine. And they're going to have their, their, their experiences, but having empathy not to project our programming, not even ministry programming, but our like sociological, psychological, like life trajectory programming onto them and going, just receiving them for who they are and where they're at and what's happening in their life. And and that being a gift to receive, not something that we need to like alter in some way so that it can be on course with the way that our lives looked. Exactly. Yep. I agree with that. And I I do think, again, like, I think part of our job, those of us working with young adults, our job is to help the greater church at large understand that. Um, Because I think, so if you read, like, fast forward to the end, uh, and I don't have the page numbers in front of me, but at the end, it talks about, uh, it lays out that young adult vignette, you know, with all of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that came out of our cohorts, that out of the cohorts. Oh, wow. it it starts on page 53 of the ebook yes so that 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 was actual like young adults like responses as we we were asked to sit down and ask a series of questions and I just think even if and I mean it'd have to be it'd have to really be on listening ears but if the church at large could even just hear that to understand I, I think it would give understanding of where some young adults are sitting in the midst of feeling like they don't have their, their act together, you know, and like how we could just come alongside of them to support them and meet them right where they're at. I I think part of our job too, is to call, I mean, like, I don't think it's just about like listening. I think there is an element of like calling them to the person that God's created them to be like, to help them to understand like where they belong, what their purpose is, but not in a way that's like degrading or you haven't caught up with like where you're supposed to catch up to like, you know, like there's a fine line. Um, cause I feel like in some of the young adults that we, with some of the young adults we've worked with at some point in time, I think there's also some hard conversations we have to have to say like, 
are you thinking about some of the decisions that you're currently making? You know, so it's not just like a do whatever you want, but like you, you can lean into the stuff that God has for you and like the way that he's asking you to live your life. That doesn't necessarily have to mean with like, have to do with like getting married or, you know, one of those other nine marker mile markers. But I I do think that like, we want to help call them into the best version of themselves that God's created them to be. So some of that comes out of conversations too, like hard conversations. I feel like, I don't, does that make sense? Yeah, totally does. So two of yeah. the, two of the barriers that they offer here in the chapter uh, to empathy with young adults is intergenerational speed and close closeness bias. Yep. We'll let we'll let the listeners, if they're reading along or if they want to read into that, kind of get more into the nitty gritty of the definition of those. But was there one of those that you connected with more as as something that you're working on or you're noticing in in young adults, either intergenerational speed or closeness bias? Intergenerational speed, one hundred percent. You know, I. I mean, I'm about to turn 44 in a couple couple months or a month. Um, I think like probably it's it's funny because you were asking me before, prior to getting on this and talking like about looking at cultural things that I've been reading. Like I have really felt this like starting this new school year, you know, new school year is always like a, a fresh start. I feel like for me, um, just this need to be better at listening to podcast books, like trying to understand young adult culture, like giving more time in my schedule to even like, just listen and read. Yeah. Because I feel like I'm so all the time, like just catching up, constantly catching up. Like I feel my age all the time. And I know I'm not like old, old, but I am middle age now. And isn't even it great? As, isn't it great? Is it great? I don't know. We're twice as old as the people that we're pastoring. Which is crazy. And literally, okay, I was just at something. This is this will be a great example. Um, these two girls and I did this backyard boutique. They're young adults in my group. So we were like selling used clothes in my backyard, long story. And <laughs> I was talking about this woman that was coming, and I was like, I was like, oh yeah, I was like, she totally looks our age, but she's more like, and as I started to say, I go, oh my gosh, she's my age and she looks your age. Like she's in her forties and I don't look your age. Like <laughs> assuming like I'm a 20 something year old, which clearly I'm not, but that's who I'm hanging out with. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, just that, that age gap, it widens every day. And for me, you know, under, like having empathy, there are just some things in, and I'm just going to flat out say, like, part of my problem is, like, I'm a person. And so when I see young adults, like, doing stuff that I'm like, what are you doing? Like, that's like, why are you wasting time on that? That's in my head. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, okay, that makes me feel old to say, mm -hmm. I don't understand stuff I see on reels. I don't understand stuff I see on TikTok. I don't understand, like, what is the obsession with these stupid things? In my mind, they're stupid. But if I can take a step out and go, these matter for a reason to this generation, what is the reason? It's hard for me to put myself into that sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so then I'm like, well, who am I? Am that's, I that's hard work. Having empathy can be hard really work. hard work because it's not, 
the path of least resistance. I feel like you're good at it, honestly. And I, I wonder sometimes if that's because, okay, so like I'm an older parent of a younger kid, you know, because we adopted late. Um, sometimes I wonder if I had like a teenager or a young adult, which actually a lot of people my age do have that like late teens to, to young adults. If I was immersed in that daily in my home, yeah. would I, would I like catch up faster? So I think I have to work at it harder because my kids aren't there yet. Um, Maybe let, let, let me tell you my experience with that. My felt experience with that is this. I am so smart with other people's kids and I am a complete idiot with my own young adult children. That makes me feel better. And and not only do I feel that way, but um, they remind me either overtly or covertly. Um, and it's like, I can have all the empathy, all the patience, all the presence with other people's kids. And then it comes to my own kids and it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I've thrown all that out the window and I just become this dad, like rage machine of expectation and projection. And maybe it does help me be more empathetic. I'm, I'm taken aback by your comment, receive it and grateful for it by, by your, your compliment. Um, but I'm just on the anvil all the time with a 23-year-old, an almost 21-year-old, and an almost 18-year-old. And my daughter was born, she's our oldest, she was born in 2000, and she's like a zillennial, you know? Mm -hmm. She's like right at the cusp of being a, 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 the latest you can be millennial and earliest. I mean, I, I think with Fuller's numbers, they would just put her squarely in Gen Z. She's just on the early end of it. Um, if you go 98 to to whenever for for gen z um pretty soon we're going to be doing podcasts about alphas which are your kids craziness crazy i mean they're sixth graders the i think the oldest alphas are sixth graders right now didn't, didn't you say you have a fourth and sixth grader i have a third and fifth grader third, okay so you're going to be teaching us like i've grown up with these you know as a parent i've grown up as a parent with these gen z kids but been the youth pastor of of mm -hmm. millennials and then some gen z um but you're going to be parenting alphas and then what that's going to be like next but that's not in this chapter well um, yeah but so back to the back to like your kids versus like you know other people and the idea of like what we were just talking about i i think maybe part of that is because you feel and and i would guess parents feel this pressure you feel that pressure for your kid or your young adult, like you feel that pressure for them to have and to figure out what you had at that age, like in some, some regards. And so, I mean, that's why I think even like, I think we like this whole chapter, like if we could help parents of young adults lean into this and like, yeah. it would, if they could really lean into it, it would give them permission to say, like have a little bit more patience, practice the empathy, like yeah, totally. not alone in it. Like this let, is a educational thing. So let, let me offer three practical handles here on parenting young adults and pastoring young adults for, for me, for my experience. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. This is this powerful stuff right here. Okay. Mentors, mm -hmm. spiritual director, counseling, those three things I'm engaged with. Yep. And processing um, at different stages of the journey, probably, and, and journeyed with the spiritual director more 
um, than any of them in depth. My spiritual director has this panorama of my journey as a pastor and a parent yep. um, and a spouse. So, I mean, it, it take, it's a lot of hard work to reflect on these things. It's a lot of hard work. Um, one of the lists in this chapter that caught my attention was under the heading, being the best neighbors means seeing young adults' friends. And so young adults are asking the question, how are you going to receive my friends? And you're okay with me, but what about my friends over here? Are you, are, are, are am I going to be, as a young adult, am I going to be able to invite them into community with my church family? And, you know, the, the whole foundation here, Andrea, for, for both of us is we're trying to point these people to Jesus. We're trying to, we, we want them to have an authentic, vibrant, transformational relationship with Jesus and for their friends to find that through them, if they don't already have that or, or, or to grow in that. But I just wanted to list some of the topics here that they put in the chapter of things that young adults that we're in community with that, that, that their friends may, this may be a, a part of their life and journey, immigration, LGBTQ plus relationships. Um, these kids are dealing with school lockdowns and I mean, have you ever seen the bulletproof backpacks that are for sale for parents to get? To, oh, I mean, yeah. no, you know, sometimes I ask my son, do you feel safe going to school? And we live in a really pretty rural suburban area, but they've had lockdowns and they've had threats. And there's never been an issue at school, but these kids are and, and young adults are processing that type of stuff. That's what they've grown up through and where, where they're at. Um, another thing they put on here is national debt. How pro-life or pro-choice, um, inju racial injustices and solidarity with, with their friends and community and culture, uh, healthcare issues. I mean, it's just a, a, a few of the things and people might be like, whoa, 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 whoa. These, these, these are political issues. No, these are real life issues. Right. Young adults are processing them maybe in a similar, maybe in a different way, maybe in a hybrid way than you may be processing them. Are you willing to engage and have conversations with young adults. And sometimes it's not about bringing it up, in my opinion. It's just when it does come up, are you going to project or are you going to listen, be right. empathetic, ask questions and receive what they're sharing, what their friends may be sharing? Because I wonder sometimes if if there's young adults that are going, I, I love my church. I'd really yeah. like to bring my friends to be a part of church community whether that's meeting in a restaurant or the thrift store or the park um and and maybe to a worship gathering but if i do what is that how are they going to be received and if they ask a question about something um what's that response going to be like i feel a responsibility as a parent and somebody that's a part of the body of christ to steward that well yeah oh yeah i yeah i feel like Oh, I feel like if the church can't get that one right in these next few years, I, I mean, that's going to, it's just, it's going to be detrimental. You know, I think if we can't have conversations about things that matter to our young people, you, it's exactly right. Like they're not going to bring their friends in. I actually already think it's pretty hard for, there's already just a lot of walls and barriers up, um, which is why like I'm constantly thinking, is there a way to create a third space, you know, where it's non-threatening and you could bring anybody to it and you could have these conversations, but the church has to step up to be able to talk about hard things. I think if we're not willing to do it, 
like our young people are going to walk away. Yeah. Um, you know, because you, you just named it like this is the these aren't just hotbed issues that they care about. This is the world that they're living in. And it is a part of like the DNA of their world. So, you know, the church has to get that right. And I think I feel a lot of times, especially in this job, I mean, we I've been here almost two years at my age, even on our staff, I fall right in the middle age wise. And so you've got this younger generation of under 30, these young adults. And then I've got an older generation, you know, above 55. And I feel like I'm constantly like, you know, have one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And I'm trying to figure out how do you bridge the gap? Yeah. Um, It's an advocacy role again. Yeah. And I think it's part of the reason I'm here. Like, I definitely think it's part of the reason that God called me to this space. We've gotten to do some like some cool things on racism, cool things on the LGBT community, like, but it's, there's, there's pushback, there's questions, there's, we're not in that place yet where like, I don't think like a young adult, if they were bringing their friend into one of those conversations that I would just want anybody to be in there because our older generation and some of our younger generation hasn't learned how to talk, you know, in a grace-filled manner about things. And then there, there are some that have, so I think there's potential there, but I think if we can't, we can't keep avoiding it. We can't keep avoiding the conversation. Those things matter. And I think a lot of times I'm finding for young adults they're they're again, they're not wanting solutions. They're not wanting you to, you know, create some program or structure. They just want to like sit at the table and talk about it yeah. and know people aren't going to walk and, and can we live in the tension with them? Can we live in the tension with them? So something I, something I, go ahead. I was just to say, and can you, and can you disagree at a table and still come back to the table? We, we need that. It's one of my heart longings for our, our denomination as the Naz, as the Nazarene church. Like we need to be living, we need to be living the tension better at every single level of leadership with, within the church and having conversations where people don't feel like that their jobs are on the line. If they voice a, a, a differing, Yes. perspective yes. or or ask a question about something that lends itself to a different perspective maybe and maybe you're asking it for somebody else but we don't live in the tension well we need to be good examples of that and figuring out ways to do that i'm trying to i'm trying to live creatively and in, into that in some ways and and how to how to broach that but um something i picked up from some university leadership and training that they do with their campus pastors and leaders re- over the last couple of years since you and i had a a podcast conversation together is this uh boomers want to know what's true xers want to know what's real millennials want to know what's good and gen z wants to know what's beautiful hmm. that's really good and it's thrown them all in kind of the same place and it, you know if you're a gen xer like me you might be being like well don't just tell me that that's how i am because as soon as you do then i'm going to redefine myself in some other way because i don't identify with everybody else the same way and you i'm an individual you know so but it's true truth is ultimately it's it's either right or it's wrong for boomers I, but i resonate as a gen xer with is it real is this relationship real yeah. Are you, are you being authentic with me? Because if you're not, I don't got time for that. Same. Yep. Um, millennials are, what's the cause and good. And I want to be a part of things that make a difference in people's lives and in the world and, and, and that contribute. And then Gen Z is just, just this multitude of beauty 
in all its various forms and relationships and celebrating that. And so maybe what we can do is identify those things and find the common ground there to then bridge the conversation generationally in, in connecting some of those some of those dots. And I wonder if it's my what I call the back to as the secret sauce of young adult ministry with um, with grandparents is it, you know, when grand when I talk to a grandparent age person, they're like, what do I have? I don't, I don't understand young adults. I'm like, do you have grandkids? Yes, I absolutely love my grandkids. I'm like, can you just do that with young adults? Yeah. Yep. And if they're, if, if somebody is loved, they'll overlook your ignorant comment. Yep. Um, they won't dismiss it, but they won't, they won't condemn you for it. They might judge you a little bit, Yeah. but they won't condemn you for it. They won't throw you away for it. Um, but you can bridge conversations in empathy with finding connection points. And I think grandparent boomers to Gen Zers, Gen X or grandparents maybe that are a little bit older to, to Gen Zers are one of the ways to, to do that. So I know you're running out of time and I want to honor, honor your time here. See, this is what happens to Chris and Jeremy and I, we just get going and then we, um, wow, I'm, I'm skipping. Awesome. I love it. I, I do too. I love talking to you. I wish I didn't have a meeting. <laughs> it, it's all right. Um, one uh, on page 51 it says if you want meaningful young adult ministry now join them on their journey and so if you're reading along in the ebook there's this really cool um graphic on their identity belonging and purpose and it says questions young adults quest and young adult ministry across the top there that's an ebook i took a picture of this and i'm going to study this a little bit more and think about it but i think that's another place that you can kind of sink your teeth in in this chapter for practice and application in young adult ministry at whatever level or however many you're engaging with or parents of, of young adults. Yeah, and then I think you keep, you keep talking about listening and this listening through here. I mean, that's where empathy starts is with listening. Um, yeah. Ministry happens in every compassionate move that we make for the sake of our young adults. And listening is the place that we can do that again and again. And then you mentioned this vignette that you were, I didn't realize that you were a part of help helping to like shape this. I'm thinking about using this at our next young adult lunch on September 10th and just having printouts of it and then going around the table, having people read a line and just go around the table and involve people because that's the thing is getting everybody involved. It's really hard to do it. But if you have a paper out and you, you know, I'm trying to figure out a practical way and then go, okay, as we read this, I want you to hear it and think about it. And then I'd like for you to reflect on it and see if it's something that you you feel like you resonate with or you find some dissonance with and then let's see where the conversation goes i think i might try that I love with that. our our young adult lunch i love that i think that's awesome okay that'd be super powerful that's well good. was there was there anything else in this chapter that you wanted to highlight before we wrap it up i don't think so i think we've covered most of it yeah i i it's it's good stuff I think the book is good stuff. So, but I think we've covered most of it. I find myself taking screenshots of the ebook and it sends me off in creative little paths of, oh, I've really been stuck in this area. What if I tried this over here? What if I had this conversation over there? What if I let go of this one thing and it's just okay that it's the way that it is? Um, I find uh, one of the hardest things for me in young adult ministry is not to default to my programming of creating things for people to be a part of instead of engaging with individual people and receiving that as, as the ministry, as the gift, like the people are 
the program, but treating them like people, not like yeah. programs. Not yeah. They are the end. Christ is already working in their lives. We're joining him and what they're doing. So empathy begins with listening is my major takeaway here of if I do nothing else in young adult ministry, then listen well, yep. probably going to be going in the direction we need to be. I love that. Agreed on that. All right. Sweet. Thank you.